Hello. Hi. How are you? I know it looks like I I accidentally made the meeting like 12 hours long. It's definitely not going to take more than like 15 minutes. No, that's okay. <laughs> this is Cami. My name is Camille Mojica, but everyone just calls me Cami. I am currently an intern working for Stitcher, but I am an audio producer and audio engineer. Cami recently started working with us on the Alice Obscura podcast, and I wanted to talk to her today because of this. So I went to Boston University from 2017 to 2020. Are you familiar with the Harvard Bridge? Yeah, yeah. I had friends that attended Harvard, and I would also have events like on the Harvard side of the bridge or would just go there to hang out around that campus because it's like Hogwarts, and I wanted <laughs> to be like a Harvard student, <laughs> even though I wasn't one. When you went over the Harvard Bridge, do you have any memories? Is there anything about the Harvard Bridge that is unusual? Yes. <laughs> so the first time I went over the Harvard Bridge, I was with one of my friends who attended Harvard. And there are these markings on the bridge. And I, you know, coming from New York, you have like street art. So I was like, I ignored them for a little while, mm -hmm. but they just kept popping back up. So I, I decided to look down at one of them and it said something like 300 and something smoots. And I was like, what is a smoot? Lucky for Cami, the very first project she happened to be drafted into here at the Atlas Obscura podcast will answer this exact question. Because in Boston, for the last half century, the Harvard Bridge has been carefully marked with yellow paint lines, appearing about every five foot seven inches. They mark a system of measurement that exists almost nowhere else in the world. One that Cami saw as she crossed the bridge, the smoot. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we learn exactly what a smoot is, how it was created, and meet Mr. Smoot. That's after this. My first question to you is a simple one, which is, what is a smoot? Well, if you use a lowercase s, it's a unit of measurement of the Harvard Bridge done in 1958. Uh, if you use it with a capital S, I suppose it means any one of a number of people whose last name is smoot. That's Oliver, and he's one of those people with the last name smoot. Oliver R. Smoot, to be exact. And as a kid, Oliver grew up in a military family. They moved around a lot. 37 residences from birth to wow. the early 20s. Oliver's family finally landed in Taiwan, where he went to high school and began looking at colleges where he might study the sciences. The uh, school library had college catalogs from maybe two dozen schools. Three of them were Caltech, MIT, and Auburn. So basically, it was a totally uninformed decision. Oliver sent off his applications and waited. 
he got an acceptance letter from Auburn, a rejection from Caltech. But it was MIT that he was really waiting on. Mid-July, this big, thick envelope arrives with surface mail stamps. The letter had gone from Boston to San Francisco to a boat to another boat, and it had taken months to make it all the way to Taiwan. And of course it said, respond within two weeks. (laughs) So uh, we went down and cabled them and said, could you make an exception? That fall, in 1958, at the age of 18, Oliver R. Smoot left his home in Taiwan and arrived in Boston as a young freshman eager to learn the ways of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Almost every college in Boston had some form of Greek life, and MIT was no exception. The 18-year-old Oliver R. Smoot decided to pledge to Lambda Chi Alpha. Oliver knew there might be some embarrassing initiations, but didn't know quite what to expect. We got to wear burlap gunny sack underwear that was coated in Cairo syrup. (laughs) And you had to wear clothes over that and go to class. So there was that. But wearing syrup-filled underwear was only one part of it. There was an even odder activity that his pledge master wanted him to do. The pledge master said, okay, I've been late to class four times and it's only Wednesday. I want a way to tell where I am on the bridge. So he looked at the 14 of us and I was the shortest. And so he said, okay, go measure the bridge in swoops. (laughs) Just so we're all clear here. The pledge master was sending the pledges on a mission to measure the Harvard Bridge, not using a tape measure or a ruler, but using young Oliver Smoot. So the next night, we had seven of us got some buckets of paint and brushes, and we had some string and some chalk. So we set out. At the beginning, I lay down, and they marked my head, and I got up, and then my arms gave out, and so they picked me up. and. I don't, it's all a blur, most of it. <laughs> can um, I ask, can I ask a scandalous question? Was there any drinking involved in this, in this? No, pro- no none at all. No. Oh, good, good. At the end of the night, the bridge was measured as 364.4 smoots, plus or minus one ear. Okay, so your pledge brothers are carrying you and laying you down and you're, you're measuring this bridge basically in the length of you, Oliver R. Smoot. Right. And at that moment, did you have the slightest inkling that this would still be a story that people were telling, uh, you know, 50 plus years later? No. MIT has a long history of pranks, or what they call hacks. And it goes all the way back to the 1930s. Supposedly in the 30s, an MIT student distracted the driver of a streetcar while his friends used thermite bombs to weld the metal wheels to the tracks. One of those students would go on to become the dean of MIT. And the bridge measuring with Oliver was a part of that tradition. But unbeknownst to Oliver in 1958, that night as a measuring stick would not just become a single night of shenanigans, but an ongoing tradition. We used interior latex paint in 1958, so you can imagine how long it lasted in the Boston winter. Yeah. We were pretty convinced that when we graduated, the other guys would say, boy, 
that was such a pill of a job, we're not going to make anybody else do that. But they did. Even after he graduated, every year, pledges to Lambda Chi Alpha repainted the bridge marks. In part, it probably had something to do with his name. Had he been a Smith or a Williams, people might not have bothered. But instead, he was a smoot. And frankly, who doesn't like saying the word smoot? Smoot, smoot, smoot. It's a great, it's a great word. And there's one more twist to the story. Rather than just being the namesake of a bizarre standard of measurement, Oliver R. Smoot himself became a professional standards maker. There is a formal process for creating new standards for things like how far apart ladder steps should be and the shape of safety signs or all kinds of things, really. And Oliver R. Smoot, quite literally, became the person that helped set the standard. In 1969, years after graduating from MIT, Oliver was working for the Business Equipment Manufacturers Association on the issues of data banks and personal privacy. The president of the company told Oliver about an opening at something called ANSI. Oliver, we have a slot on the ANSI board of directors, and I'm going to tell them that you will take it over. And I said... I don't know anything at all about ANSI or its board or anything. ANSI stands for the American National Standards Institute. It's an organization that administers and coordinates the voluntary standard system in the United States. So the charging systems of electric cars, the size of printer paper, the strength of safety glasses. ANSI's job is to help all the involved parties come together and come to an agreement to help set a standard. Take a single screw in an airplane, for example. I was talking once to the director of standards for Boeing, and she basically said, hey, when we put in a screw, we have to know it will go through 50,000 takeoffs and landings and you know, be exposed to salt air and lightning strikes. Standards are all around us, and our lives can literally depend on them. But they're also this kind of arbitrary thing. The meter, for example, was defined in 1793 as one ten millionth of the distance from the equator to the North Pole along a great circle. And the metric system is nice mathematically because of all those divisions of 10, but as a starting place, one ten millionth of the distance of the equator to the North Pole isn't really any less random than the length of some king's foot. So whether it's the meter or the size of the screw, it's mostly ultimately about everyone just agreeing to use the same thing, and if it changes, agreeing to make those changes together. So standards change over time. What about the smoot? Has the smoot changed over time? I imagine Oliver R. Smoot has changed a little bit. Well, the MIT Museum has a standard smooth measuring stick. Uh I think I would hesitate now to go and stand next to it because I have a feeling it may be a bit longer than I am. (laughs) Human height is not a particularly uh, standard standard, really. (laughs) What started off as a typical MIT practical joke, like the time students put a police car on the top of the Great Dome, 
Measuring the Harvard Bridge in smoots has become a beloved tradition and a standard that thousands of people see every year as they cross the Harvard Bridge. Are people still repainting the smoot lines today? Yes. The alumni corporation that manages the property has gotten together enough alums to keep it going. Last question. You know, you spent all this time, you know, you have a standard named after you. You, you worked at ANSI. Why are standards important? It can seem like such a dry kind of t- area, but, uh, you know, personally, I, I find it very fascinating and get very interested in how we sort of derive the various standards that we've, we've chosen. But I'm just curious, why do, they, why do they matter? Why do we need them? No modern society or economy could function without standards. You just couldn't function. Uh, I mean, if you couldn't be pretty sure that your 5G phone is going to interface correctly with the 5G hardware on the poles around town, you know, nothing nothing would work. A T-Rex, it's about seven smoots long. A 747, it's a little over 43 smoots. You could walk around the world in about 23 million smoots. And well, you can use the smoot to measure whatever you want. There's only one Oliver R. Smoot, now himself slightly shorter than a standard smoot, but still an evangelist for setting high standards. Do you have a favorite standard? Well, I like my own. (laughs) That's a good standard, yeah. I just want to give a special thanks to Oliver R. Smoot for talking with us today. Uh, It makes me extremely happy that they're still measuring that bridge (laughs) in smoots. And I also want to thank Camille Mojica, who uh, is our new intern and who helped write this script with me. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Chilenya Onike, Maddie Weinberg, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney, Manolo Morales. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by John Delore and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Theris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher.